0: This next audio described tour is at the Washington, D.C. Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of American History. It was a special honor to work on this exhibit, uh, developing the tour and voicing it. It is a tour of the flag that inspired the national anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. And yes, the actual Star-Spangled Banner that flew high above Fort McHenry in 1812 is on display for all Americans to witness. I think you'll enjoy it. Welcome to the National Museum of American History and its flagship exhibition, The Star-Spangled Banner, the flag that inspired the national anthem. This is a 30-minute audio-described tour, one that makes visual images more accessible for visitors with vision impairments and more meaningful for all visitors. Some objects on the tour are tactile or have been designed to be touched. I'll mention those as we proceed, but please do not handle other items. You're standing just outside the exhibit, in front of and below an abstract representation of the United States flag designed by architects at the firm Skidmore, Owings, and Merrill. It is suspended 30 feet above you and consists of fifteen horizontal rows of sixty-two pixels, or silver reflective tiles. The rows, representing the fifteen stripes of the Star-Spangled Banner, undulate in curving waves, as though the stationary flag is waving in a breeze. To your right is the entry portal to our exhibit, and the first of three areas, the entry corridor with four sections— It will be followed by the viewing area and then the exit corridor and its five stations. Now let's begin our tour. As you approach the entry corridor, you may notice the blocks of textured glass below your feet. The flooring of the entry corridor shifts to wood. The Entry Corridor You've entered a corridor that stretches to your left about 75 feet and is on a slight incline. As you stroll up this corridor, exhibits will be on your right. A three-foot-high glass barrier runs along the length of the hall between you and the exhibits immediately in front of you. Notice the music playing at this first station. This is an harmony-only version of the Star-Spangled Banner, played on a cello. In the background in this area is an enlarged color photo reproduction of a detail from the flag— its broad red-and-white stripes and large blue field with white stars. On a horizontal placard, text reads, The Star-Spangled Banner On September fourteenth, 1814, U.S. soldiers at Baltimore's Fort McHenry raised a huge American flag to celebrate a crucial victory over British forces during the War of 1812. The sight of those broad stripes and bright stars inspired Francis Scott Key to write a song that eventually became the United States national anthem. Key's words gave new significance to a national symbol and started a tradition in which generations of Americans have invested the flag with their own meanings and memories. As you move along the corridor, you'll come to the next station, the Capitol Captured. Listen. Can you hear the sounds of Washington burning? A background mural shows bright yellow, orange, and red flames swirling in fiery unrest. A tall placard tells us, The Capitol Captured. In 1812, the United States declared war with Great Britain. Angered by British interference with American trade, the young nation was intent on reaffirming its recently won independence. Instead, a series of defeats left Americans anxious and demoralized. They were stunned when, on August 24, 1814, British troops marched into Washington, D.C. and set the Capitol building and White House ablaze. A Baltimore resident described the 1814 burning of Washington in this way, Every American heart is bursting with shame and indignation at the catastrophe. Set into the background are two video screens that feature period drawings of Washington during the British invasion. Just in front and to the left, within a glass cube, is a chunk of White House timber charred by the 1814 fire. The block of wood is roughly rectangular, black as coal on one jagged short side, but with strips of white and black on top. Moving further up the entry corridor, you'll come upon the third station, Baltimore in the Balance. A photo mural shows the deep blue surface of the Baltimore Harbor. A video screen set into the mural shows period engravings of the bombardment of Fort McHenry. Text reveals that America's future seemed more uncertain than ever as the British set their sights on Baltimore, Maryland, a vital seaport. On September 13, 1814, British warships began firing bombs and rockets on Fort McHenry, which protected the city's harbor. The bombardment continued for 25 hours while the nation awaited news of Baltimore's fate. Perhaps you can hear the sounds of rockets and bombs exploding over Fort McHenry. Indeed, in a tall glass case is a Congreve rocket of the type fired on Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor. The rocket is about four feet tall and cylindrical with a cone-shaped top. It's brown and rusted, and on its back a wooden rod is held in place by three metal bonds. The rod extends beyond the base of the rocket. Further to the left, also in a glass case, is a British bombshell, a squat, roundish object, black and pockmarked. It is hollow. A hole at the top is where it was filled with explosive black powder. And between them, on a slanted podium just behind the glass barrier that runs along the corridor, rests a tactile fragment of an actual exploded bombshell. Please touch and explore the ragged, rust-colored remnant." Finally, the fourth and last station in this entry corridor, a moment of triumph. A mural here shows the early morning sky above Baltimore Harbor, dotted with patches of clouds lit from behind by a rising sun. On the mural is a quote by Francis Scott Key, who was aboard a ship in the harbor. Recalling the morning of September 14, 1814, he wrote, Then... In that hour of deliverance and joyful triumph, my heart spoke. Key was aboard a British ship several miles out in the harbor. Can you hear the creaking of the ship? Text tells us that a moment of triumph. By the dawn's early light of September 14, 1814, Francis Scott Key could just make out an American flag waving above Fort McHenry. British ships were withdrawing from Baltimore, and Key realized that the United States had survived the battle and stopped the enemy advance. Moved by the sight, he wrote a song celebrating that star-spangled banner as a symbol of America's triumph and endurance. In a glass case here is a spyglass from the early 1800s of the type Key might have used. It's a narrow, tubular, metallic piece, perhaps two feet long when outstretched. It's sectioned so as to be collapsed within itself. In the background is a video depiction of Key in a red waistcoat, white ruffled neckerchief, and a dark overcoat, His right arm is outstretched toward the harbor in the background as the words to the national anthem appear in script in the sky. THE VIEWING AREA Now a turn to the left will take you into the second corridor of our tour, the viewing area. This fifty-foot hallway is dimly lit. You may notice pinpoints of light beaming from the floor along the way. It's important to protect the Star-Spangled Banner from light, which can be the source of greatest damage to the flag's delicate fabric. To the left, stretching along the length of the hallway, is a floor-to-ceiling glass wall between you and the display of the Star-Spangled Banner. The darkened chamber that holds the flag is the size of a small home. The massive flag is laid out flat on a table that is tilted up 10 degrees. The flag glows in the darkness. It is 30 feet high and 34 feet wide. That's a quarter the size of a basketball court. Each red and white stripe is nearly two feet wide. They are tattered and faded. Large portions of the white stripes have deteriorated and are missing entirely. A huge field of blue in the upper left corner of the flag has stars that are two feet across. One of the stars is missing. The right side of the flag, called the fly edge, is jagged. Many pieces on this side of the flag were cut away as patriotic keepsakes in the 1800s. Although it seems large today, a garrison flag like the Star-Spangled Banner was a standard size for the time— It was intended to fly over forts on flagpoles as high as ninety feet and to be seen from great distances. Running along the base of the glass barrier is a slanted ledge within which are illuminated text panels, each with the same message. This flag, raised over Baltimore's Fort McHenry on September 14, 1814, inspired Francis Scott Key to write the Star-Spangled Banner. Maker, Mary Pickersgill, Baltimore, 1813. Material, wool bunting with cotton stars. Design, 15 stars and 15 stripes. The official U.S. flag from 1795 to 1818 size 30 by 34 feet, originally 30 by 42 feet. One star and other pieces were cut away as patriotic keepsakes in the 1800s. Along the back wall of the flag's display area are projected the words to the first stanza of our national anthem. Oh, say can you see, by the dawn's early light, What so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming? And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? At the rear of the viewing area is a bench, if you would like to rest. At the far end of the glass wall that separates the viewing area from the flag chamber is a tall glass panel On the top right is a tactile, cast-glass image of the flag. It's labeled the Star-Spangled Banner in raised letters and in braille. Below it is an actual-size, tactile, cast-glass star. Enjoy getting a hands-on sense of the Star-Spangled Banner and one of its stars. If you turn around 180 degrees, you'll find a wide tabletop that is an interactive activity. On it is the moving image of an actual size detail of the Star Spangled Banner. You can control how the image moves by touching it and moving your hand up, down, or sideways. Also on the image are circles and hand-shaped paddles. When these hot spots are touched, various facts about the banner are displayed. For instance, the blue canton is made of wool dyed with the indigo plant. The red stripes are made of wool dyed with the roots of the madder plant. The stripes of the flag were pieced together from two narrower strips of wool bunting that was imported from England. The stars are made from cotton, And were attached by reverse applique. In other words, each star was stitched into place on one side of the flag, then the cloth behind cut away to reveal it. Each star measures approximately two feet across. The flag weighs approximately 40 pounds. The flag was taken down from its place in the museum's flag hall in 1998 for conservation. It is too fragile to ever hang again. Conservators work to preserve the flag for the future, not to restore it to its original condition. The Exit Corridor We'll now move to the final area of our tour, the Exit Corridor. A three-foot-high glass barrier runs along the length of the hall between you and the exhibits immediately in front of you. Moving down this 75-foot hallway, five stations are on your right. First, making the flag. A placard informs Mary Pickersgill, a professional flag maker in Baltimore, made the Star-Spangled Banner in the summer of 1813. Four teenaged girls, her daughter, two nieces, and an African-American indentured servant, helped piece together its broad stripes and bright stars. A photo portrait of a woman is on display, her bespectacled face swaddled in a white bonnet and a white ruffled collar. It's Mary Pickersgill, nearly 40 years after she made the flag. To the left of this portrait is an overlay exhibit. It shows the red, white, and blue of the star-spangled banner in clear plastic over an outline of the Pickersgill home. Text reads, The huge 30-by-42-foot flag overwhelmed the cramped rooms of Pickersgill's house. She moved the operation across the street to the more spacious Claggett's Brewery. Also in a glass case are sewing implements dating to the early 1800s of the type Pickersgill and her assistants would have used to make the flag—a thimble, a chatelaine, a small pair of scissors on a chain attached to a pin cushion, and a selection of straight pins in a circle of fabric. The next station is labeled Family Keepsake. The label reads, For nearly one hundred years, the Star-Spangled Banner remained with the family of George Armistead, Fort McHenry's commander during the Battle of Baltimore recognizing the flag's historical importance, the family occasionally made it available for public view, and gave away snippings as treasured keepsakes. To the left of this label is a case with a silver punch bowl, shaped in a suspiciously round fashion, resting on intricately carved eagles. It is engraved with the name George Armistead and is displayed with a ladle and silver cups text tells us that the citizens of Baltimore presented this silver punch bowl, shaped like a British bombshell, to Lieutenant Colonel Armistead in 1816. A few steps further left is a black and white photograph, the first photograph of the Star-Spangled Banner taken at the Boston Navy Yard in 1873. The flag hangs outside a building with its field of stars at right, it is already missing one of its original fifteen stars and a large section of its fly edge. Tattered stripes and holes are readily apparent. Perhaps most striking is its enormity. A soldier at attention on planks at bottom is dwarfed by the banner, the top of his cap reaching only to the edge of the third stripe. The next area is entitled National Treasure. Text reads, The Star-Spangled Banner came to the Smithsonian Institution in 1907 from George Armistead's grandson, Eben Appleton. Its exhibition at the National Museum, wrote a newspaper reporter, aroused enthusiasm, veneration, and valor, as has no other object in the institution. For over a century, the Smithsonian has continued to display and care for the flag, ensuring its survival for generations to come. A video screen in this section reviews how the Smithsonian has preserved and presented the flag since 1907. For instance, one screen shows the flag on display at the Smithsonian Castle shortly after its arrival. Another shows it being attached to the linen backing in 1914. Another shows the flag folded in a case in the Arts and Industries Building in 1953. Another the flag being installed in the museum's Flag Hall in 1963. One more depicts conservators in 1999 clipping 1.7 million stitches to remove the linen backing. Another screen displays a microscopic image of the flag's red threads. The caption states, 2002, analyzing the condition of the flag's fibers the fourth area in the exit corridor is titled National Anthem. Here we learn that Francis Scott Key's song roused a nation's spirits during the War of 1812. He wrote the words to fit the melody of To Anacreon in Heaven, a well-known 18th-century British tune. Key's song gained new popularity during the Civil War— and by the early 1900s, it was a fixture at public ceremonies and celebrations. In 1931, Congress made the Star-Spangled Banner America's National Anthem. Over the years, Americans have adapted the song to suit the times, expressing their cultural tastes as well as their patriotism. By now, you may have noticed the medley of performances of the Star-Spangled Banner playing in the background. And on display are photo reproductions of an 1825 portrait of Francis Scott Key and Key's original manuscript for the song, as well as an image collage representing diverse voices and versions of the Star-Spangled Banner. Included within the collage are images of Americans singing the Star-Spangled Banner. A family gathered around a piano in a print dating from 1863. Students from St. Rita School for the Deaf in Cincinnati in 1918. The United States Marine Band around 1928. Jimi Hendrix at the Woodstock Music and Art Fair in 1969. Whitney Houston at Super Bowl XXV, Tampa, Florida in 1991 and a cross-section of Americans in a stadium in 1994. Finally, the last area of this corridor is the legacy of the Star-Spangled Banner. A panel reminds us that the Star-Spangled Banner is a national treasure. It inspired the song that became the national anthem and established the American flag as the country's most significant symbol. In times of celebration and crisis, pride, and protest, people have raised the flag to express their ideas about what it means to be American. To the left of this panel is a video screen with a silent display of rotating images. Among the many images, a U.S. astronaut with a flag on the surface of the moon in 1969, the flag raising on Iwo Jima in 1945, a flag being lifted off a casket during a burial at Arlington National Cemetery in 2007, civil rights marchers carrying a flag in Selma, Alabama in 1965, and Ku Klux Klan marchers in white hoods and robes carrying flags in 1925, a woman holding a flag during a 2006 naturalization ceremony, A freed slave in 1865 wearing a U.S. flag pinned to her bodice. Vietnam veterans protesting the war in Southeast Asia carrying an upside-down flag in 1971. Women's suffrage marchers carrying flags in 1912. Disability rights activists at a rally in 1994 with a flag on which the stars are arranged in the shape of a wheelchair. And the flag being raised by three firefighters above the rubble of ground zero in New York City in 2001. As you turn to your left to leave our exhibit, a display acknowledges the funders and supporters of this effort. The Smithsonian gratefully acknowledges the donors who made possible the preservation and exhibition of the Star Spangled Banner, the centerpiece of the Star Spangled Banner campaign. Polo Ralph Lauren. Generous support is provided by the Pew Charitable Trusts, United States Congress, American Express Historic Preservation Fund, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, with special thanks to Save America's Treasures at the National Trust for Historic Preservation. You are leaving our exhibit on the opposite side of the abstract representation of the United States flag suspended high above you. At the information desk where you received your audio player, an attendant will assist you with its return. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Star-Spangled Banner, the flag that inspired the national anthem, and we hope that this audio-described tour was helpful to you the National Museum of American History, and all of the Smithsonian Institution's facilities are committed to helping all people appreciate and understand the scope of the world's cultures and resources. Thank you for visiting us, and we invite you to return again soon.